Welcome to Postpartum Stories with Steph, candid conversations with mums and sometimes dads about the precious yet chaotic time that is life after birth. My name is Steph, woman, warrior, wife, mother, coffee lover and feminist. I'm a postpartum doula in Melbourne and you can find me on Instagram at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph with a PH. Through this podcast, I will chat to women and birthing people in a real and raw way about their postpartum experience. So sit back, grab a cuppa, even if it's cold, take off your bra and enjoy. On today's episode, I'm joined by Anna Maria Flynn. Anna Maria is a mother to Alaska who's eight months old. And this is a really diverse episode. We talk about a lot of different topics and Anna Maria really generously shares her experience of postpartum after birth trauma. She also shares about her relationship with her husband and how the dynamics of that changed after their daughter was born. Her husband actually uh, experienced postnatal depression which is, you know, something that's still quite stigmatized in our society, something that we don't really talk about um, too openly. So it was uh, really nice to hear from her about that experience. Um, She also talks about her breastfeeding challenges uh, after she actually had uh, uh, her breast implants removed before her daughter was born, not while she was pregnant, before she became pregnant. Uh, and how that impacted her breastfeeding. And she talks about how she was living in Hobart when her daughter was born and she didn't have a lot of uh, family and friends around her. So she actually moved uh, back to Melbourne when her daughter was two weeks old uh, to be surrounded by her friends and family. And her story really shows how we do need that village around us in early postpartum. Um, I'll leave uh, all of the details of Anna Maria in the show notes and ways that you can connect with her. Um, and I really hope that, that you enjoy this one because it's, yeah, it's a really good chat. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, take me back to, um, to the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I won't go into my birth story, but mm-hmm. I will kind of mention that I did have a very traumatic birth Mm -hmm. um, and something that I absolutely could not have anticipated that I was going to experience. Mm -hmm. And it was an experience that really fractured me Mm -hmm. um, in a way I'd never felt fractured before. And when I kind of came out of that experience, I didn't feel like I knew myself. I had really lost faith in myself and faith in who I was. Um, I did not feel capable of being a mother. I literally felt like I'd just come back from the war. Mm. Um, I was kind of shattered on every level, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had also had a cesarean. So physically I was quite incapacitated. Um, so leading up to the birth, I had had a home birth planned and I was really excited about this postpartum experience that I was going to have. I had read 
um, many books about like the baby bubble and how to make that time really special and sacred. Um, so it was a real shock for me to be coming into that kind of baby bubble in this really fractured state. Mm. Um, on top of that, I was also living in Tasmania. Um, I had moved away from all of my support and all of my family. So I was very much isolated. So I can really relate to the women who are kind of going through pandemic births at the moment because I know many of them are experiencing that solitude mm -hmm. and that isolation. Um, my partner and I were living at his parents' house and I wouldn't say I had a maternal connection with them. Like they were supportive in the way that they could be, but I didn't feel emotionally safe mm -hmm. in, in that environment. Um, so my partner and I kind of had our own area downstairs and um, <laughs> it's kind of like we were just in this little cave having this experience um, so, sorry to interrupt you. Did you, um, did you birth in Tasmania or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you moved yeah. before the birth. Yeah. So I'd actually moved to Tasmania in my pregnancy. Um, I, my body was actually really calling for solitude and isolation throughout my pregnancy. I had mm -hmm. had a very busy lifestyle before that. I was running um, a dance troupe in Melbourne and was very much involved in events and festivals and performances. And as I was going into my pregnancy, it's such a time of like deepening and self-cultivation and relearning who you are. And I, I really felt like, okay, I need to disconnect from everything that I know myself through and mm -hmm. really... <sighs> just reconnect with who I am underneath mm. this lifestyle, underneath all of these kind of superficial elements that are my life. Um, so when I went to Tasmania, um, my partner and I, we'd actually just gotten married and <laughs> kind of as our honeymoon, we went to a Vipassana center, which is a 10 day silent meditation retreat. Oh, wow. So I was about 23 weeks pregnant here. Mm -hmm. um, and that was an incredible experience for me. Um, prior to that, I had been really struggling with the symptoms that came with pregnancy, but through that experience of um, gaining the tools of this strong meditation practice, I was really able to transcend all of that. And I really came into a very blissful and joyful state in my pregnancy after that experience. Mm -hmm. And for most of the time in, um, Tasmania I was really enjoying just being in my own in my own bubble so leading up to the birth I was like yeah like I'm gonna be fine I'm gonna be this. so fine just <laughs> here on my own I don't need anyone like really just I look back and I'm like wow I was I was truly so naive and and of course I hadn't gone through this experience mm. um, but my biggest learning on the other side of that was that when you have a baby, you really crave tribe. You want to mm -hmm. be with your tribe and that village mentality. Um, yeah. became like the craving for that became very real for me. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I can um, totally relate to that. <laughs> and yeah. I think it is that primal kind of, you know, somewhere in our DNA, we know we're meant to be with our tribe and our village um, in postpartum and we weren't ever meant to do this by ourselves or just with one other person. So I'm sure mm. many people um, can relate to that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And, and that was definitely, um, yeah, on the other side of having Alaska, I just wanted my aunties and my mom and my sisters. I really wanted my feminine bloodline mm-hmm. around me. And, and it felt like, yeah, I was really craving, craving my lineage to be there to support me through this experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when, when I came home and I was really in this state of complete shock, um, I think my auntie might have video called me like a few days after I got home and she just took one look at me and saw how shattered I was. And she's like, I'm flying over. Mm. And she, she flew over the next day and she was just there for a couple of days, but it just made a world of difference to have a woman who really saw me and knew me on such a deep level to be there and to bring those mama vibes to be there to really nurture me and support me. And I guess that's what I really didn't have. Um, I didn't have someone to look after me basically. And Mm -hmm. at the time my partner um, was going through quite a deep depression and on the other side of the birth, um, he was very traumatized by what we had experienced together. Mm -hmm. And I feel that he didn't really have the tools to integrate the trauma in the way that I did. And I was kind of like, I have to be a mom for this baby. Like I just have to get on with it for now. Um, So that was really difficult for me that I didn't really have anyone to emotionally lean on. And I think back to that time and it was a time of sadness and grief and pain for me. And even though I had this little baby and I loved her so much, I was moving through so much angst and disbelief and shock and not having anyone to lean on was very isolating, very, Mm. very isolating and, and scary at times because I'd never really hit rock bottom in that way. I'd never really gone to those depths before. Mm. Um, And I was really in a space of not understanding why things had panned out the way they, they had at the time. I have a very different mindset around it all now, but I was very much in, in the victim state at the time and, and rightly so. Um, So two weeks into my postpartum journey of feeling kind of trapped on this Island and feeling Mm -hmm. very alone. I just said to my partner, I have to get out of here. Like I, I have to go be with my family. Like you are not showing up for me. You're not able to show up for me at the moment. And so when Alaska was two weeks old, I jumped on an airplane with her and um, yeah, just came and stayed in Melbourne for a few weeks to be with my family. And that was so vulnerable for me because I really had the plan of like the first 40 days, like staying Mm -hmm. in your birth cave and this like place was where I'd had my pregnancy and where I'd planned my birth. I really didn't see myself leaving it um, Mm -hmm. in, in the immediate future. Um, and going to the airport with this little two week baby and I'm still quite shaken up by everything. Oh, absolutely. You're still like post, I mean, postpartum, not only are you postpartum, you're post-surgery, like, you know, severe abdominal surgery, which takes at least 12 months to recover from, if not more. And, oh, wow. I just, I'm, I've got chills because I'm so, um, I'm so proud of you for doing that. You know, it's, Mm. it's such a hard time and to know what you want 
you know, you're sleep deprived, you're recovering and you've made this decision for you. And that's just so amazing because, you know, had you stayed there, who knows what would have happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel if I had stayed there, I would have just kept spiraling deeper and deeper because my partner was obviously in a very dark space. So we were only reflecting pain to Mm. each other and that Mm. wasn't healthy and it wasn't good for Alaska either. Like she was my priority. And I was like, I need to get myself sorted. I need Mm -hmm. to like sort my shit out so Mm -hmm. that I can really show up for her. Um, and so within that, I did also start, um, some, uh, some psychology as well. I saw an amazing psychologist who specialized in birth trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was really helpful to just have someone to process my story with and, um, yeah, someone who's kind of outside of the situation who can really reflect back to you and take you deeper into your processes. So throughout the whole journey, I've really made the decision to be really proactive within my journey of healing because I didn't want to stay in that victim state. It wasn't going to serve me. It wasn't going to serve Alaska. So I was just actively leaning into the pain every single day. I was not numbing myself. I was not avoiding it. Um, and really like the biggest blessing and gift from this experience was learning how to hold myself because I feel like my whole life, like I've always needed to lean on someone emotionally. And when mm-hmm. my partner wasn't able to be that person and I was in this profound darkness, I had to learn how to hold myself. I had to learn how to heal myself and nurture myself and, Yeah, so I did that actively. I worked with lots of different practices from embodiment to dance to um, uh, finger tapping therapy. I saw a therapist for that and that that was really powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I guess like it was a real insight into a different postpartum experience. And I know postnatal depression is we have quite a high rate of that, which isn't surprising considering the way our birthing model is Mm. um, and that it perpetuates a lot of birth trauma and post-traumatic stress. But we don't often hear about um, what it's like when the partner or your your husband or when the dad is going through the postnatal depression. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about um, what's, sorry, what's your partner's name? Joshua. Joshua, um, to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, what Joshua went through and you're right. Like we don't really talk about, um, postnatal depression in fathers and obviously it happens. Um, yeah, I would, if you're able to talk about it, I'd love to, mm. love to hear some more. Yeah, definitely. Um, so leading up to the, um, the birth, Joshua was already kind of suffering like a mild depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we went through the birth experience together, um, like I said, he came out of that just as traumatized as I was. Mm. Um, and, and as I mentioned, he didn't really have the tools to know how to move through that. So his um, way of coping, I guess, was to really emotion, emotionally shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, and within that as well, something that I think we both found 
quite um, a surprise was that initially when Alaska was born, he didn't feel any connection to her. Mm-hmm. And later down the track, I know that's actually quite normal for mm. the dad to kind of build that bond. But initially I was kind of like, oh my God, like he doesn't even love our daughter. Like, how is this going to work? And he was feeling all of this guilt and shame around um, the fact that he wasn't feeling connected to her. Mm. And on top of that, he was also feeling um, resent. He was feeling resent towards her because of what I had gone through in the birth, which is, you know, it's completely not logical, but it Mm. was an emotional response that he was having. Um, so within that, because I was in this fragile state, I wasn't really able to hold space for his process. And for me, it was really upsetting that he was going through that because at the time I didn't really understand that that's quite normal. Mm. Um, so yeah, like as, as time has gone on, he's built a beautiful bond with Alaska and like, I completely celebrate their connection. It's so, so beautiful now. And it just Mm. took time to get there. And like I said, we didn't know, we didn't know that it was going to be like that. So there was a lot of, um, I guess, negatively charged feelings around it. Mm -hmm. Um, he also went on his own path of healing because I was basically like, you have to get it together or Mm. I can't stay, you know, Mm. like I can't be with you in this state. And I think me going to Melbourne to go away with the baby for a few weeks was a bit of a wake up call for him. Um, and in that time he did start, um, he started counseling, which was helpful because I think he just needed someone to process with because he had really isolated himself. He wasn't really talking to his friends. He wasn't really reaching out to anyone. And I think Mm. when you go through an experience like that, it's sometimes hard to reach out to people who are kind of naive to an experience like that. You don't feel like they can really meet you or understand what Mm. you're going through. Especially Um, for a father too, because I think we sort of, you know, our society, we play up this sort of you know, fathers should be, you know, macho and strong and brave and not cry mm. and not show emotion. And so, mm. you know, it can be that really hard kind of situation for him to be in, to know who to go to and to know yeah. who to share his feelings with without feeling shame or guilt or any of those things, which is totally valid for him to be, you know, feeling at that point. Yeah, totally. And um, yeah, so I guess with his journey it was just really an experience of of time like we had to give it time we had to give time for both of us to heal Mm -hmm. and it's only really in the last couple of months that he's actually come out of his state of fragility and um being completely closed down and and that experience um you know like the whole six months after having alaska was very difficult in in our relationship because I felt incredibly unsupported and he knew that he wasn't able to support me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to have a lot of really difficult conversations and it actually got to the point where we actually decided to separate because I was in a space of like, I need someone who can meet me emotionally um, and show up emotionally. And he was really in this space of, of numbness and closing down because that was his coping mechanism. And it's only in the last couple of months that he's really come out of that space. And I feel like he's integrated within this role of of parenthood. Mm. Um, And and one thing I really noticed in our journey was that I learned very early on that 
you know, the role of mother is deeply rooted in surrender Mm -hmm. and service and selflessness. Mm -hmm. And I was really able to, you know, just merge into that space and, and really let go of my identity and let go of who I was before having a child. Um, But that was one thing that he was really struggling with. Mm -hmm. And I think it's only recently that he's kind of been able to find fluidity within that and um, yeah, find his place within this role. So did he come, excuse me, did he, um, you guys are in Melbourne now. Yeah. So we actually, we came over here for Christmas and for like a friend's wedding um, and we weren't planning on, permanently leaving Tasmania but Mm -hmm. once we kind of came over here and we were around the tribe again and Mm -hmm. family well my family um we both just knew in our hearts that this was the place for us and Mm -hmm. uh, I mean I loved Tasmania and I still think about it every day but in this position where we do have a child it does feel um, really right to be here and, and have the support network around us and it's it's been it's really held space for our healing journey as well like I felt like when I was in Tasmania I was in a very confined space and I wasn't really able to really go on my process of healing and mm-hmm. um, yeah just over like the last six months it's it's been amazing what I've been able the depths I've been able to go into within myself and um, yeah, actively, actively heal trauma, actively heal PTSD. Mm. So it's so good that you guys have been able to kind of, um, you know, honor yourselves and, and find where you're meant to be at the moment. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. It's really just about listening. Hey, like that's another thing with parenting. It's like letting go of any fixation. It's like you can have intention, but there's Mm. no point being attached or fixated to anything because yeah, you've really just got to go with the waves of life. And, and that was, that was what coming to Melbourne was about, I guess. Mm. And, And within that we've manifested the most beautiful home, like family home to live in on beautiful land in the Mornington Peninsula. Um, this place just kind of fell in our lap. It was my, my girlfriend's mum's house so when we got to Melbourne we're like what the hell are we going to do like where are we going to move and this place I just I literally prayed I just said like (laughs) I need something to work out I actually need a miracle I just Mm -hmm. need something to land in my lap and literally that evening the opportunity for this house landed in my lap so so good yeah it's really just about listening and and asking for what we needed Mm mm-hmm so yeah. once you um once you got to Melbourne with Alaska when she was two weeks old, and uh, you said um, that you had some family aunties and 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 friends visit you and hold you basically, mm-hmm. um, what was that sort of postpartum experience like for you in in the weeks that, that followed? Mm. It was still very fragile. Um, I actually was staying at a girlfriend's mum's house and my family were coming and visiting me intermediately. Um, But yeah, it was, it was fragile for me. I was still integrating a lot. I was really sad that I couldn't be at my home with my partner. I felt, I felt a lot of like abandonment and neglect coming up through that process. Um, And also I was feeling really challenged by breastfeeding as well Mm. Um, I experienced a lot of grief around my breastfeeding journey and that was really prominent when I'd come to Melbourne Mm -hmm. Um, 
a few years ago, I had my breast implants removed because I had um, I basically had toxic shock from my breast implants and was becoming very ill. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had them removed and I didn't really think about it at the time, how it would affect my breastfeeding. Um, but it definitely did play a part in my ability to um, have a strong supply. And mm-hmm. I basically got pregnant about two weeks after I had that surgery. So oh, there wow. wasn't a long healing period um, in between you know, those two experiences. Yeah. Did they um, say anything to you like to avoid becoming pregnant after the surgery? Do they give you that no. advice? Or? And, and like, it's interesting because when I initially got the breast implants, um, the surgery the, the, the surgeon recommended was to go through my nipple. So to put the implants through my nipple. Mm-hmm. And at the time I, coming from like a strong breastfeeding culture in my family, I was very adamant, is that going to affect my ability to breastfeed? And he said, oh, no, not at all. It definitely won't. But upon further research, um, I've definitely found that that can strongly impact your ability to breastfeed. Um, And then when I was having the the implants removed, I actually didn't even think to ask because I was in such a state of urgency to just get these poison bags out of my body (laughs) that I was like, Yeah, I just didn't even cross my mind, which was interesting, actually. Mm. Um, So that was a factor in my breastfeeding journey. And and I really wanted to breastfeed. You know, I've been around breastfeeding since I was four years old. Like, Mm -hmm. I've always seen my sisters and my aunties, um, yeah, really having a strong breastfeeding culture. So it's really embedded inside of me. yeah, and, and another factor was that the birth was so traumatic and my milk took about five days to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that time, I didn't really have the knowledge and the wisdom of how to kind of get your supply up or how to kind of um, not get the baby conditioned on the bottle. And that happened very early on because mm-hmm. I didn't know any better. And the hospital was saying, oh, you need to give her formula because she's not her birth weight. And, you know, there's a lot of fear mongering that, that takes place in that environment. And I was so naive and um, I guess I, I just didn't really know whose advice to take at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but upon like going through my breastfeeding feeding journey like I know now that there would have been ways for me to support myself to have a more successful journey mm. um but that's that's learning for me to take to my next experience yeah. but it's also um it's also really disappointing that there wasn't someone that could give you some advice that would have helped you um establish your breastfeeding you know, to help support you through that, because I know you're saying you were naive to it, but it's not even a um, naivety. It's like, you've never done this before. Like, and you would hope that there'd be a professional there (laughs) to be able to say, okay, well, let's, you know, let's still feed as much as possible. Let's put like, let's not worry about formula right now or bottles. Mm. Let's give you a few days to kind of get your milk to start flowing or something like that, mm. you know, like yeah. the onus always seems to be on new mothers who have never done this before to know all these things that, you know, it's unless you're really going to sort of read everything and study everything and 
do all of that in your pregnancy, which is, you know, it's hard to do. Um, mm. I, you know, I, I wouldn't place blame on you for being in that, in that situation. Cause I think it happens to a lot of women. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, it's also natural that we're naive in those experiences because we haven't, we haven't had the experience yet. Mm. And yeah, I, I don't feel like I did have the right support. Like the lactation consultant saw me on the third day mm. in the hospital. So all of like by then I'd already established a, an incorrect latch. And by the day three, my nipples were just on fire. Like, mm-hmm. um, because I'd had no one to guide me to how the, how to properly latch. And I thought that she was latched properly, but she actually wasn't. Mm. Um, and I did have my home birth midwife, um, who was visiting me in like in the, um, postpartum period, um, and, and she did have some support. And in the end, I ended up going on Domperidone, which is a medication. Um, but I really, I'm someone who's a very organic, natural person. So it really didn't feel good for me to be putting, um, yeah, foreign, foreign chemicals into my body. Um, and it did help a little bit, but I didn't actually stay on it for long because my body just wasn't agreeing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried all different things. I tried different herbs and different teas and pumping and different cookies. And, and I, I feel like moving forward in my next experience, I feel more confident in how I would boost my supply in the early days, which are like the most important days. Um, but yeah, like within that journey, I did feel a lot of grief around Mm. not being able to successfully breastfeed because it's something that I had really wanted. And through this whole experience, like it was just letting go again and again, letting go of the birth experience that I wanted to have, Mm. letting go of the postpartum experience I wanted to have, letting go of the romanticism of family life Mm. and, and letting go of, of the breastfeeding journey that I had desired as well. Yeah. And there's a huge grief there, right? Like these, it's like a loss, all these things that you had hoped for and planned for that, you know, aren't coming to fruition. Um, so how long did you breastfeed for? Um, we, we actually ended up feeding with a supply line, which Mm -hmm. is like a little tube that you attach to your nipple and it supplements extra milk. Mm -hmm. Um, We did that for about four months and Mm -hmm. my supply had boosted quite a lot by that stage, but it's just that she was conditioned to a stronger flow that she wouldn't take my breast on its own. By about six months, we had given up the supply line because it was just difficult it was difficult to have that on you all the time Mm, absolutely um sometimes she was fussy with it and it was just actually causing me stress um so at this stage she's bottle fed um but she will take to the breast during the night but she'll still drink bottles within the night so it's more of a comfort feeding thing i still have milk um but but not enough milk to fully meet her her dietary needs Mm-hmm. And and yeah, grief was definitely the the theme of that journey for me. Was um, yeah, just just uh, allowing myself to grieve what what I had wanted. Mm. Um. So you know, obviously in your story, there's lots of challenges, um, lots of things happening that you could never prepare yourself for. When um, you sort of found your feet a little bit after you got to Melbourne. What were some of the um, joys? What were some of the things that you can look back on fondly? 
I guess like within this whole journey and even though when I share it, it sounds like it was a lot of pain and a lot of um, darkness for me. I look at that and see that there's so much beauty in that Mm. because that was a time in my life where I felt deeper than I'd ever felt in my life. It was a time where I surrendered to depths that I didn't even know existed inside of me. And actually my biggest gift through all of this was the rebirth of myself and, Mm -hmm. you know, letting go of everything I thought I was and and actually cultivating true inner strength and true self-knowing and really becoming the woman that I am. And Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that everything played out the way it did because it completely changed me as a person. It, It made me let go of all my safety blankets, all my security blankets, all my false belief systems that were keeping me in this place of like comfortability and safety. Mm. And, you know, the process of having that all ripped away is brutal, Mm. but I rebuilt myself from a place of profound truth and Mm -hmm. wisdom and depth and knowing. Um, And within that, of course, the role of mother as well, like, really embodying and understanding what it is to be a mother. Like before this experience, you have a concept of what it is to be a mother, but when you're going through it, it's a full initiation and it's so beautiful. It's so powerful to come into that place of, yeah, complete service and devotion and selflessness and unconditional love and and the love you feel for that baby it transforms you from the inside Mm. and so I don't I don't look at this this these challenges in my life as a negative thing I look at that period of my life as the time that changed me and and was the soil for me to birth into the strong woman and the strong mother that I am Mm -hmm. and so where do you sort of go to from here with in yourself and your life and your business? Like how has it kind of changed um, the way you function, I suppose, on a day-to-day level? Mm. I feel like something happens when you become a mother and you become more, well, speaking on my own experience, but I feel like I've become so much more creatively fertile, Mm -hmm. like the, the dreams and the ambitions and the things that I'm birthing into this world have so much more depth now. Mm -hmm. And within that as well, like I'm really learning how to use my time wisely as well, because, you know, as, as a maiden, you have complete freedom of time and so much spaciousness. But when you're a mother, when you have those moments to yourself, they're so precious. Mm, You (laughs) You make the most of them. You have to completely (laughs) make the most of it. Um, and I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Like I've always been very creatively ambitious and I wasn't really sure what that was going to look like, um, after having a baby. And I was kind of willing to like let that part of myself go, but it's just come back tenfold. And um, yeah, this year I'm, I'm actually opening a dance school, which mm. is like a huge, huge vision for me. Um, but going through this experience has brought so much depth to that and, and that it's not just about dance. It's about the initiations of womanhood and bringing back 
um, celebrated and supported rites of passage into our community and um, yes, yeah, sisters, women coming together and supporting each other through the initiations of life. And that project and that vision is something that has brewed through my experience of pregnancy and birth and motherhood. And it wouldn't have the depth that it has if I had not have gone through that experience. Mm. Yeah. I can so relate to everything you're saying. Like I literally wouldn't be talking to you right now if I didn't have the birth that I had or the postpartum that I had. Like, Mm. yeah, I think there's definitely um, some sort of, um, creative drive that happens in your brain after giving birth. Um, Mm. I know that that's the case for a lot of women. Um, so that's really an amazing thing. Mm. Um, how are you doing now with, um, your PTSD and, um, all of that kind of stuff? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm still moving through it and it like with PTSD, it can come up very randomly as well. Like certain things can trigger you back into that space. And then for me, whenever that happens, it's like, okay, like there's another pocket for me to heal and another pocket for me to sit with. Mm. Um, But I think because I've made the decision to really feel myself completely and to really lean into the discomfort and the trauma and the pain that it's been a very smooth journey for me, um, Mm -hmm. especially since being in Melbourne and and being in our new home as well. Like I really have the space to um, do practices that support my healing journey. Um, At the moment, I frequently work with dance and embodiment practices to, um, I guess, come into my primal body and and feel what's happening on a physical level as well as on an emotional level. And then I use dance and movement as a tool to, to shift and transmute the energy, but to also tell my story through movement. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been something that's been really, yeah, just really helpful for me. And I'm really proud of myself. I'm really proud of myself for what I've moved through because I know many women will hold this trauma for decades and they don't even know that they're holding it um, Mm. or they don't even know that they're allowed to feel it or they're allowed to go, oh, that wasn't okay what happened. Mm. Like that wasn't okay. Um, Because medicalized birth trauma is so normalized in our culture, but they say that PTSD um, from birth is the same as the soldier coming back from war. It's deep, Mm. deep shit. And Mm. Um, I think it's really important to find resources to support you, but to also access tools within yourself to support your own healing journey. So for me, it's, it's an everyday thing. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think a lot of me wanting to have another baby as well is also coming from those wounds of like, no, I want to get it right. Like I want to yeah. do it properly this time. And I'm really, really aware of that. And that's why, you know, I, I sit with this cluckiness that I feel and this desire to have another baby, but I also, I, I'm also aware and I sit with that and, and, and remind myself that there's still wounds there and there's still grief. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just something that I'm sitting with every day. Yeah. And you can't sort of put all your eggs in one basket with another birth. You know, like you said, you can mm-hmm. have intentions, but you know, we don't unfortunately don't have a crystal ball, but you know, I'm sure that <laughs> from what you've learned through this experience will definitely um, mm. feed into your next 
birth experience and mm. the one after that and the one after that and the one after that, and the one after yeah, that yeah. with your tribe that you're going to birth. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's another great lesson for me. Like, um, you know, looking back on who I was initially when I went into that birth experience, I was incredibly impatient and I was a total control freak as well. I wanted to control every aspect and element of my birth. Mm -hmm. And those were aspects of myself that I guess died in this process. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, moving forward, the next birth I go into, I'll be going into it as a very different person and someone who, yeah, I have my intentions of, of how I want to birth, but I'm not fixated on what that reality looks like. And mm. I think naturally in that place of like relaxation and surrender, you're likely to have a more relaxed birth anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I can look back on who I was going into my first birth experience and I actually was holding a lot of tension and a lot of contraction and a lot of impatience and the desire to control. And I know all those elements played an impact on, on what unfolded for me. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how are things with you and your husband now? You're eight months down the track. <laughs> mm. Well, two months ago they were, pretty intense and um, we'd basically made the decision to separate and through that experience um, we both dove into ourselves I guess and stopped blaming one another for the intensities and the negativity that we were feeling and the last two months for me has been a journey of rekindling my relationship with myself and literally becoming my own best lover, my own best partner and really coming into that self-union. Um, and he's kind of had his own experiences in this period of time and just kind of naturally we've kind of just come back together with a stronger resonance with one another and um, a, a willingness to support and an understanding on how to support one another. Mm -hmm. um, we've also put some kind of structure in place, which is really been so helpful um where joshua will take alaska for three hours in the morning and he'll take her for three hours in the evening mm -hmm. and so we've got these boundaries of who has her at what time and then we obviously have family time as well um, but that has made a world of difference because what was happening before is that I would be feeling like I was unsupported and I needed help and I would be like, I need you to help me, but I would be projecting this resent onto him mm -hmm. and the communication was just muddy. Um, mm -hmm. So things have really shifted since, since bringing that in. And, you know, we still have days where we feel challenged like all parents do. Yeah. But I feel like our ability to hold space for one another has really shifted and and rather than taking on one another's negativity to just simply witness um mm -hmm. what the other person is going through and and offer support mm. yeah and yeah. i think checking in regularly like you said before you had the three hour um blocks of time to yourself mm -hmm. um i think it's really important to sort of check in with your partner to sort of say okay well how can we be doing this a little like how can we structure this so it works for both of us and mm. rather than yeah both being angry at each other both pointing fingers it's mm. not helpful to to anyone <laughs> um but yeah having those conversations it can be really hard as well to sort of be like okay this is what I need <laughs> mm -hmm. um this is what I need you to do for me and mm. um, making it work 
for everyone. So that's really great that you guys have done mm. that. Yeah. And it really does come down to the way you choose to communicate as well. Like it's really that nonviolent communication of coming back to yourself and being like, um, like often I'll be like, are you available to have a conversation about something? And then I can be like, okay, I have a need or this is my need. And coming from that space of this is actually my experience rather than coming from a place of blame, Mm. um, which is where both of us were coming from before of you're not doing enough. You're not showing up. You're not supporting. And that was just like dismantling our relationship and, yeah, I think when you go into marriage and you go into parenthood with another person, it's it's very complex and it, mm. it takes a lot of courage and strength and perseverance to continually show up for that work because it's not it's not always light and in a, in a deep union like this, you have to see your shadows in that other person and you have to be willing to work on yourself because if you stay in that space of victimization and blame in the relationship, you're just going to go around in circles. Mm. You guys have really kind of overcome like some hardcore adversity because I think about people who have, you know, a, a dream birth. And I'm saying that in air quotes, like have the birth that they wanted planned for. Maybe it's, mm. you know, a five hour home birth or something like that. And they get everything they want. And then I'm sure like weeks and months down the track, they're still having those difficult conversations and still going through hard things. So to have gone through everything you guys have gone through to be here now. And yeah, it's just, it's, beautiful it's amazing <laughs> oh thank you giving me feels <laughs> yeah thank you for sharing that it's it's nice to hear that external affirmation um because mm. yeah it, it is really it's it's a tough journey sometimes but it's also it's so real you know it's so real and and deep and and of course, going into parenthood is equally as transformative for the parent, for the father as it is for the mother. And mm-hmm. any relationship is going to go through their trials and tribulations through an experience like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared. Um, I know that mm-hmm. it's going to resonate with so many women and hopefully men too, if they're listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Steph. Thank you for seeing me. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please come over and say hi on Instagram. That's where I like to hang out. Uh, My handle is at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph, S-T-E-P-H. That's where I'll be sharing podcast episode updates too. Hope to chat to you soon.